0: All right. Well, good evening. It's good to be with you. Appreciate the opportunity I have to, to be up here. At the elders have set aside to allow the men to preach on occasion. Uh, if you are visiting with us, uh, not the regular preacher that speaks, uh, we have two great ones here David and Leland, uh, but I'm going to be speaking to you tonight uh, about Jesus, simply Jesus. Going to keep it uh, the topic pretty simple, pretty broad, but there's a lot the Bible has to say about Jesus. I uh, appreciate the songs that were led. They tie into the lesson perfectly. Uh, the, the scripture reading that was read for us, uh, there's a couple questions that Jesus asks. He says, who do people say that I am, and who do you say that I am? And that's what I want to look at tonight, is an- the answer to this question, all right? Who is Jesus? What are the, the titles that, that the Bible says? How is he described? And there's many different ways uh, that Jesus is described. In fact, many times in the Bible... Um, it, it's pretty simple. You'll, you'll read something that says, Jesus actually speaking, says, I am the blank. And we're going to look at several of those this evening. Or it might be somebody else speaking and says, Jesus is blank. And then there, there's fill in the blank there with all, all kinds of possibilities. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to tackle 20 of them is, is my goal this evening. Uh, and I know there's at least a dozen more, probably double that, maybe even more than that, of things that we could put into this category. Uh, it's going to be just a brief snapshot on each one. Um, all of these could easily be a sermon in their own. And I might encourage you to, in fact, do further Bible study. Do a simple word search on, on all of these. Just pick, pick one a day uh, and just see what the Bible has to say about this particular uh, subject matter about Jesus being all of these different things. Uh, if you like taking notes, this is a really, I think, good sermon because you can pretty much number your paper from one to 20. And I'm going to give you 20 things. I'm going to give you a verse and what that thing is. There'll be some other verses to supplement in. If you don't like taking notes, but you want to try, this would be a good starting one. Uh, it's going to be pretty simple. Again, 20 things. You'll have a nice list uh, by the end of the evening of things that Jesus is. Let's jump right in. I encourage you to turn, uh, if you can, uh, to the Scriptures um, and, and look at each one we're saying so you can read it for yourself. If you want to turn to John chapter 20, verse 31, and a lot of these are in John. John actually describes Jesus Um, in many different ways. He's very detailed about that. Uh, So not all of them, but a lot of them are going to come from John. Uh, In John 20, verse 31, John writes, But these are written so that you you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So we get a couple of them right away. I'm going to focus on the Son of God first. John states that he believes that Jesus is the Son of God, and he wants others to believe the exact same thing. And then he says, believing in Jesus uh, as the Son of God is the beginning of the path to an eternal life in heaven. And John also writes in 1 John, I'm going to turn over there. The other passages up there so you can get ready for them. 1 John chapter 4, verse 15. He writes, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So again, believing that Jesus is the Son of God is a very important uh, concept, very important thing that we need to understand if we are going to be with God and be in heaven. Others heard Jesus say this, not just uh, John writing it, uh, but if you think about uh, at the end of his life, he's being put on trial and they're asking him questions in Matthew chapter twenty-seven, verse forty-three. One of the accusations against Jesus uh, was that he claimed that he was the Son of God. In uh, verse 43, says, He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires, for he said, I am the Son of God. So other people um, heard him make that claim. And, of course, he did make that claim. We can read about that in probably several different places. The one I chose was back in John uh, in verse uh, ch- chapter 10, verse 36 of the book of John. And Jesus says, do you say of him whom the father consecrated and sent into the world, you are blaspheming because I said, I am the son of God. All right. So Jesus is the son of God. He said it. Other people said it. John recorded it as well as many other places in the Bible. So number one, Jesus is the son of God. Number two, if you want to go over to Hebrews chapter one, verse two. I want to start in verse one. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. I want to focus on Jesus being our creator uh, for number two. Uh, Jesus was present, he was involved in creation. He did not come later. Uh, he was not an afterthought after some other things that God did didn't, didn't work out through the Jewish nation. Uh, he was, he's there, he's eternal, he's from the beginning, and he was involved in creation. And I, I don't know how many times I read Genesis chapter 1 when I was younger and did not pick up on this subtle little thing here, and the first time it was introduced to me, uh, it was just like getting hit in the face, um, so I'm going to go to it, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 um, the language not, By the way, I'm reading from the English Standard Version this evening, uh, just so you know where, where I'm getting my, my verses from. But in, at the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And the first time, I don't know how many times I overlooked that fact, that it's us in our. And so Jesus is there. He's from the beginning, and He is helping in creation, creating man in their image. So Jesus has a role as being our creator. One of the things that does is it means he deserves our respect, the same reverence and praise that God does uh, as our creators and giving us our existence. So Jesus helped create the world, in essence, helped create us. Try to keep up with my clicks as well. All right, moving on. Back to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 16, verse 16. Of course, this is uh, what was read for us just a little bit ago, Uh, and this is the answer that Simon Peter gave to Jesus when he asked these questions, and Peter replies, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. We already talked about the Son of God, now we're going to talk about Jesus being the Christ and what that actually means. I don't know how many times this word is used in the Bible. I looked it up. It was several hundred times uh, that you can read about Christ, or that Christ was written and recorded. So there's a lot there. What does this mean? We say it all the time. Uh, and if you look at the, the word, uh, it's, it comes from the, the Hebrew Messiah, which means anointed. Uh, when you anoint something, it's like what you do to a king or a priest. You do something to put them in that position, make it official. Uh, Christ is Anointed, uh, but he is the anointed. He was prophesied about. Uh, in in John chapter 1, John even defines this. He makes that comparison. If you look at those verses there, um, a couple of different places, he mentions the word Messiah, and then most, most Bibles have a parenthetical citation that says it means Christ. So easy, easy enough to get the definition of what that means or that they mean the same thing. One's just the Hebrew word. One's just the Greek word. Uh, John one forty one says, he, which is Andrew, first found his own brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah. Uh, and I believe it's John that probably adds, which means Christ. The same thing happens, uh, the story about the Samaritan woman. Um, he, she, she says, I know that Messiah is coming. And again, John, I think, b- puts in there who is called Christ. So Messiah Christ, the same thing. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. A couple things that people get wrong about that. Um, It's it's not his last name. Uh, I think most people here probably get that, but it's worth saying. Uh, It's not just something that we tag on to the end of Jesus but it does have a meaning it's got an important meaning to that you might even see it in flipped order Jesus Christ Christ Jesus or Jesus the Christ Jesus is the Christ Jesus has Christ whatever variation you want to put in there um, and also probably worth mentioning this is something we should not say lightly we don't need to take this in vain and I know that happens a lot just by walking around in the world you're going to hear that uh, these titles used improperly and this is one of the bigger ones one thing I think is interesting that um, you can read about in Acts chapter 5 verse 42 is that this is something that the apostles went about teaching and preaching. Uh, summed up says, in every day in the temple from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. That Jesus fulfills this role of Christ that the Jews should have known about. It was prophesied from the Old Testament that the Messiah was coming and Jesus was the fulfillment of this prophecy and we must believe that he is. Uh, in 1 John 5 1, not up here, I don't think, it uh, says everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So very important that we also believe and recognize that Jesus is the Christ. Number four, Luke 2.11. Luke 2.11. Going to early on in the in the New Testament. Very famous verse. Many people know this verse very well. It says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Of course, we've got Christ and Lord already there, we've discussed. But now we're going to talk about Jesus being a Savior. Uh, what does the Savior do? Well, Savior saves. Saves us from what, would be a good question. Well, saves us from our sins and saves us from eternal punishment. Uh, that's Something that should be very appealing to all of us, especially if you read more in the Bible about this, this topic, uh, being saved and being saved from, from what you need to be saved from. Uh, similarly, in Matthew one twenty one, uh, about the same time period, it uh, says, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So we get the explanation here uh, of what a Savior or what Jesus is going to save us from, going to save us. From our sins. And these uh, verses, of course, are from his birth or very early on, um, even before his birth. But let's go to things that happened afterwards. Again, John in 1 John chapter 4, uh, again, writing way after the fact here, uh, after Jesus' life, he writes in John chapter 4, verse 14 And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. So John gives his testimony here that Jesus is the savior of, notice, the world, everyone. Uh, And he fulfilled the word of God. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, read a little bit about this as well. In verse 1, uh, we get the, he's talking about Jesus here. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. And we'll move on down to verses 8 through 10 here. Uh, again, we're looking for a Savior. It says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Verse 9, Who saved us and called us to a holy calling. Not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, uh, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And it's just interesting to me, as, as I'm reading these and reading them again, how much overlap there is in all these terms we're going to see them over and over again in some of these passages several things we're going to talk about later tonight was just mentioned in this passage uh, so we'll be looking for those as we keep reading um, but jesus is our savior the fourth thing that i want us to look at number five in first peter chapter three verse 21 and 22 i mean not quite as obvious uh, here We read this verse a lot, talking about baptism, which we should. Uh, but there's something about Jesus in it. It says uh, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience, uh, conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Verse 22, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to Him. So one of the things that Jesus is, we can say, He is in heaven, which is where He is right now. Um, He died on the cross. We can read about that. We all know that, I think. He was also resurrected after he died by God and spent a few more weeks here on earth. But after that, he did ascend into heaven. And we can read about that very thing in Acts chapter 1. We can read about Jesus talking to the apostles and then being taken up into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. He says, well, this is the The guys in robes after he went up in verse 11 says, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven and will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So Jesus has gone into heaven. Paul mentions this as well in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. He says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. So right hand of God, where's God? God's in heaven, uh, right there with God. And that could be an, another, another topic, another thing, that Jesus, a little bonus one there for you. Jesus is, is at the right hand of God uh, as well as being in heaven. All right, moving on. Number six, in 2 Peter 1.11 It says, for in this way that we richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to focus on the word eternal out of this verse. Jesus is eternal. I already mentioned it a little bit. He was at creation. He was at the beginning. Uh, he's, uh, eternal could be defined as forever in, in both directions. God and Jesus are both eternal. And his kingdom, as we can read about, is also eternal. We're on kingdom uh, in a few minutes. Uh, also eternal, though, is heaven and hell, something we need to consider. Uh, that those are going to be final destinations uh, for many people. We're going to be one or the other, and it will be an eternal destination. Though through Jesus' sacrifice and by following his commands, we can spend eternity in heaven with Jesus and with God. Short verse, but a popular one in Hebrews 13.8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is eternal. A couple of things I want to focus on with this word "forever." A couple of things he is forever. In Luke chapter one, going back to that section of the Bible again, verses thirty-one and thirty-three of Luke chapter one it says, "And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great." and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. So he is a king forever. He not, not only is eternal, but he will have the role of king forever, unlike all of the earthly kings that we have. A little bit more on, on that topic later in just a few minutes. He's also a priest forever. If you go over to Hebrews, a couple of passages speak to this concept. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 6, with something in 6 and something in 7. In fact, if you read this entire section, uh, you'll you read a lot about this particular subject. We'll hit a couple of verses here that bring the point out. Hebrews 6.20 says, Where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. If you go on over to chapter 7, starting in verse 22, um, Look at 424, I'm start at 22. It says, this makes Jesus the guarantor of a better covenant. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the utmost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. So several times it mentions the characteristic of Jesus, being forever and being our priest forever. Similar to that, in Revelation 21 six, kind of on this concept, in Revelation 216, John records, says, and he said to me, It is done, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And then he adds the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. He's the Alpha and the Omega. In the Greek alphabet, most of us probably know that's the first and last letter. So It would be like saying A to Z, first to last, beginning to end. Uh, and in Revelation 22:13, 13, it's a similar phrase. He actually says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and the beginning and the end. Just kind of state that again, as we mentioned. He was there before creation, and the Bible says he's going to continue uh, to be forever in all his roles, forever. He's the beginning and He's eternal. He's the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Go back to John for a few. If you want to turn there, got a few in a row here in John. I'll oh, actually show you all in a couple in John chapter 10. If you want to make a home there for a few minutes. In John 10 verse 11. Jesus is speaking here. In fact, if you want to On your own, read the whole passage here, and John chapter 10 explains a little more detail, but Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Shepherds care for the sheep. They protect the sheep. They lead the sheep, and that's, of course, what he does uh, to those that are his. In the feeding of the 5,000, he actually uses this phrase kind of similarly. He mentions um, when he sees them, he saw the great crowd, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Of course, he is our shepherd, and he is the shepherd uh, for everyone who would choose to, to be in his fold. And then a little bit further down, uh, kind of he states the same thing in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd, says it again. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. If you back up a few verses, uh, as he gets into this particular explanation about him being the good shepherd, he makes this statement in John ten seven. He says, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Not only is he the shepherd for the sheep, but he's the door for them. Uh, and you can read that. He talks about the entrance into the pasture. Uh, so it's the way to protection, the way to safety, the way to, to peace and being safe from harm. Uh, in a couple verses later in, in chapter 10, also verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find Pasture. So he's the good shepherd. He's the door for the sheep. And in keeping with the sheep, theme of sheep here in John chapter 1, we, one of the phrases we sang just a few minutes ago, we sing it a lot, actually. It says, The next day he, which is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. If you read the Old Testament, you know that lambs were used uh, for sacrifices. If you Think about the Passover, the blood of the lamb was put on the doors, and that saved the people from death. This uh, concept of blood and blood of lambs being used uh, is is all over the Bible, and Jesus is described as the Lamb of God. And Paul mentions a similar phrase in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, talking to the Corinthians, he says, cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump, as you really are in leaven. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Using very similar uh, imagery there about Jesus being the lamb of God or the Passover lamb. And, of course, he sacrificed for all of us. All right, but Mike, I think that was 10, right? 10, halfway, halfway home. Get a, a two for one here. Go to John chapter 11, if you're still in John. Slide over a little bit. John 11, verse 25. This is at the scene where Lazarus had died, uh, and Jesus went to raise him from the dead. And some interesting comments are made uh, by, by the people here. Uh, but Martha asks a question. Jesus responds and says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. So we have two. He's the resurrection and he's the life. Of course, those are very much related. Uh, If you continue on reading through there, um, 25 to 26, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So she responds with even some of the other uh, descriptions that we've already covered this evening. Let's talk a little bit about resurrection. In Romans chapter 6 is a good place to go. Paul writes about the resurrection. Verses 3 through 5 of chapter 6 says, "Uh, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Think about the death being the opposite of life. Uh, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So Jesus is the resurrection. Go a couple verses down in verse 23 of Romans chapter 6. Another well-known verse. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. Not just life, but eternal life as we have already mentioned Back to John, chapter 6, verse 35. Keeping with the theme of life, uh, Jesus, again, is teaching the people, talking about this particular concept, and he uses this analogy. He says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And he's emphasizing this point that he is the way to life. Um, the, The crowds were a little bit confused about this teaching. They didn't quite understand how... He could be eaten, they were thinking physically, or how he could bring the food from heaven. That was only God could do that. And there's all these different viewpoints here. If you're familiar with that passage, you want to reread it at some point. Uh, The Jews did not like that particular claim that he made, uh, but he makes it. He says, I am the bread of life. He says it many, many times, actually, through this particular passage. Uh, If you want to pick up the reading, let's go to uh, verse 40. He says, for this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, And I will raise him up on the last day. So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. And then down in verse 47, 48, he says, truly I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. And you can read this whole, it's a pretty lengthy chapter. uh, But it explains, of course, more in detail when you can read all of it at some point. But Jesus says he is the bread of life. And we need that. To be able to sustain our lives, we need Jesus to be in Him, with Him eternally. By now, you're probably already thinking of this verse, uh, maybe the first one you thought of when I, I began this particular lesson this evening in John 14:6. Jesus says, "I am the way, and the truth, and the life." It's, it's three in a row right there. We already talked about life. Let's look at the way real fast. Uh, what is a way? It's a path. All right, it's, it's like a highway, right, a, a roadway. It's the way to go. In fact, the, the phrase the way is used synonymously with the church, with, with Christians in Acts. Uh, there's many, many passages that describe the, the gospel followers as being in the way. Um, not like blocking something, but the way, the way to go, the path. Um, and it's the way. You just really want to focus on it's It's singular. It's exclusive. Jesus is the only way. Uh, in fact, if you read the rest of John 14, 6, he says, No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way. And if you look at, um, pair this with Acts 4, 12, he says, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And this can be a tricky concept to those in the world, especially even religious people. There's a lot of religious um, characters, re- religious beings or uh, influencing people in people's lives, like a Muhammad or the Buddha, even Moses, Elijah, uh, the Pope, any founders of other religions, any individual who thinks they've come up with their better way, these verses eliminate all of those. Jesus is the way; He is the way, singular, only one. And along those lines, He is also the truth. The truth is in Jesus. If you think about truth. Uh, what is the opposite? That's lies, false. Um, and Satan, of course, we can read about as is, is the father of lies. And lies are sin, and sin leads to death. So we want to make sure we're in the truth, and Jesus is the truth. If you want to go to Ephesians chapter 4, some verses there that bring this point out. Uh, in verse 4, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, I should say, verse 17 18, he says, Now I say, And testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Uh, Skip to verse 20. But that is not the way you learned in Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. He's encouraging them to go away from their sinful past or don't walk as the Gentiles do, those without Christ, but be in the truth. Skip on down to verse 25. He says, put away falsehood and let each of you speak the truth with his, with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. And another verse uh, in John chapter 1 says, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The truth comes through Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, John says, or writes, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Much like life and death, uh, we get light and dark, or true and false, or uh, truth and lies we get opposites here the bible has a lot to say on this subject as well uh, but we know that jesus is the light of the world he says he's the light of life as well john 9 if you flip over there uh, he says as long as i am the world i am the light of the world he says it again in this particular uh place he goes goes on to heal the blind man tries to give him some sight uh give, he actually gives him his sight and think about i don't know if he, what what the guy could see before if it was completely darkness or just blurry but think about that relationship he can see now he's he's been given the light uh, physically but of course Jesus is is speaking even broader terms spiritually and eternally and also in John uh, chapter 12 verses 35 and 36 Jesus says to them the light is among you for a little while walk while you have the light lest darkness overtake you and the one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. And when Jesus said these things, he departed. So we want to be sons of light in Jesus. All right, big finish here. Almost finished. I told you we're going to get to 20. First Timothy 6, 13 through 16. Got three in this one. It says, for I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who is in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who we're talking about. Verse 15, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So we get all three of those uh, in one kind of short half a verse here. He's the sovereign. What does that mean? Some uh, translations, yours might say potentate or ruler right there. Uh, It's it's a word that means one with great authority, the highest of rulers. And you read the king and and lord. He's not just a king and lord, but he's king of kings and lord of lords. These phrases are used in Revelation a couple times as well. Let's talk about him being king uh, just for a moment. Uh, When Jesus rides in on the donkey, Uh, We get that phrase. He says, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. It's actually a fulfillment of prophecy from Zechariah 9.9. He's a humble king. Not only is is he a king, he's a humble king, coming in on on riding on the donkey. And he's also not an earthly king. In John 18.36, Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's not an earthly king. He is a spiritual king. And as we've looked at his Kingdom, of course, is going to be forever. It is everlasting. He's also Lord of lords. What does Lord mean? Uh, similar, uh, it's the owner of something, the master, one who has the power to make the decisions. It's a title of honor, uh, and this word is used hundreds of times uh, in the Bible as well. Look um, so at the passage in Matthew 17 during the transfiguration of Jesus says Peter said to Jesus lord he calls him lord right here and says it's good that we are here if you wish i'll make three tents one for you one for moses and one for elijah while he was still speaking behold a bright cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said this is my beloved son with whom i am well pleased listen to him the authority that jesus has given by god over all others is very important and a very famous verse, I know we all know very well, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in order or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. He's the Lord, he has the authority, uh, and we need to follow what he has instructed us to do. And finally, in Ephesians 5.23, relating to those, he is the head of the church. Ephesians 5.23 He is the head of the church. We get this phrase in Colossians 1.18, also Ephesians 1.22, which we're going to close with uh, in just a minute. But not any man, as I mentioned earlier. Jesus is the head authority of the church. Several passages point that out. So here's a quick overview of the 20 things that we looked at uh, in about 30 minutes or so. I was trying to keep it. About a minute and a half per point. I think I did all right there. Uh, but it's a lot. Like, like I said, I could have done 20 more maybe. You probably have thought of other things that Jesus could be. Uh, he's all of these things and many more. And that's a pretty, pretty good list. Uh, Jesus is an impressive being that we can read about in the Bible. I don't know of any other person we can read about that can have this many and more attributes of this nature. Um, definitely something to, it's almost awe-inspiring when you really look at it in this context. I would like us to close with Ephesians 1. I know we're studying Ephesians. Many of us are right now. Um, but if you look in this, and you could probably do this with a lot of passages, but a lot of things in here are some things we talked about this evening. In Ephesians 1, 17, where I'm going to start reading, says that the God of our Lord, there's Lord Jesus Christ, as mentioned, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what the is the hope. Of course, our hope is eternal life, to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might? Verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, mentioned the resurrection, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Jesus is in heaven. Far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, we mentioned sovereign and king of kings. And above every name, he's the way, he's the truth, he's the light. Um, That is named not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That speaks to his eternal characteristics, being the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. And he put all things under his feet. He's king, he's Lord, and gave him his head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. Jesus is pretty much everything. He's all of these things and many, many more. So I hope this was um, probably not new to anybody. Most of you probably knew of all these already. Uh, but hopefully helpful, maybe seeing it in this particular way. Again, these, we make great Bible Study topics for you in, in the months to come. You're not really sure what to study. Maybe really topical. Just pick one of these and sort of do a do a search and see what does the Bible have to say on these particular uh, topics. And you'll see that this is actually pretty hard for me to condense down. Uh, there were so many verses to choose from. I had to pick just a couple for each one. Um, but we do need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. He is our Savior. And many of these things that we talked about. If you need to make your life right with God tonight, I encourage you to do so. You can be baptized. Uh, to become a Christian this evening, you can uh, confess sins if you need to make public confession at this particular point in time. We can pray for you. We can offer you further Bible study. Uh, whatever you might need, I encourage you to come forward have a seat on the front pew as we stand and sing.